So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to the Positive Sobriety Podcast, and I'm your host today, David Hampton, and uh, our co-host, Nate Larkin, is out today. He is out and about doing uh, some of the good work that Nate is uh, all about these days, and uh, so I am uh, really, really glad to be here today. Uh, We have a great guest, and uh, we're talking a lot about... um, what it means to um, have a strong sense of ourselves and a sense of um, why we got sober and uh, what we think may happen uh, in our sobriety. And uh, today our particular guest is going to talk to that, um, speak to that as a, uh, a way of addressing sexual compulsive behaviors and some of those kinds of things. And he's got a great program that we're going to talk about. But I had a conversation uh, this week uh, up with someone that was really interesting because we were talking about the fact that we go into the meetings, uh, the 12-step meetings, meetings or the rooms, as we call them a lot, and we hear about living life on life's terms, taking life on life's terms. And sometimes in early sobriety, um, we think that we uh, get sober so that other people might change as well. Um, If we change, other people will change. If we uh, come to these realizations and embrace these new ways of being and thinking and believing, other people will uh, follow suit. And what in early sobriety often happens, and I see it with my clients, I know it with my own experiences, um, and, and, and we can fall into it at any point in time, is that we are actually, um, we are actually uh, believing that uh, we are doing all of this and other people will follow suit, and they don't. And it can really throw our sobriety and our recovery into kind of a, a little bit of a stall or a tailspin or our, maybe one of our first frustrating hurdles that we have to overcome because then we have to realize that we are uh, practicing new ways of being, believing, and thinking um, because we need to be healthy and not so that other people will do anything because uh, we have to do this whether the world is on board with us or not, whether our family changes their game plan or not. Sometimes we have to set new boundaries. Sometimes we have to be um, pretty aggressive about those things. We have to be extremely intentional about those things. But most of the time when we live life on life's terms, take life on life's terms, we have to remember that 
it is so that we change. If we think that we are going to uh, get sober so that other people will change as well, or so that we change the world, um, we are mistaken because the world does not hear our new drummer. It does not march to the beat of that drummer, and it doesn't really care particularly, um, because in most of our uh, uh, interactions and loved ones' lives, uh, we as addicts are perceived as the problem instead of just the whistleblower, uh, when in fact we know that often the addict is the whistleblower in a situation, in a family, um, in a system, um, and uh, the whistleblower is telling people, this is the problem, and it's not just me. Um, And so when we have loved ones that go off to treatment or to recovery, and uh, we think it's so that they'll get better and come home and play more nicely with the rest of us, and we don't have to change, uh, that's a mistake on our part, because everything is going to change for the person getting recovery. So when we accept life on life's terms, and we listen to that new drummer for ourselves, it does not mean that everyone that we love and cherish in our lives is going to change or listen to hear, or to hear that drummer. So it was an interesting conversation uh, this week, but I just thought I'd kind of pass that along because it has stuck with me as I've even realized in my own life uh, areas of expectation that I have because I'm doing something differently. Everybody else is going to get on board and be as excited about that new thing as I am, and that's just not always going to be the case. And I have to do it because it's my reality and my truth and my authentic self and not because other people um, may get in step with me. But our guest today um, is somebody that I really want you to hang in there and listen uh, to. He has some really uh, unique and uh, helpful uh, and very accessible ways to approach uh, tackling uh, compulsive sexual behaviors. And um, he uh, has a program that uh, may be of interest to a lot of us and that is very accessible. Um, he's doing a YouTube uh, plan, and I, I, I want you to just listen to his uh, explanations of how he came to be where he is and what um, prompted the change. And what the good news is is that he's uh, out there uh, taken to the world in the way of recovery. So stay where you are. We'll be right back on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast, and our guest today is a man from uh, the Phoenixville, Pennsylvania area, Mark Quepet, and Mark is a... um, he is a certified life coach working in the area of sexual addiction, primarily with men. Um, he's associated, he's the director of uh, the Universal Man Project, and he has some other things he's involved with as well. And, and we're going to just uh, dive in, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I tried to do a little bit of reading about what you are um, into and um, I, I came across this uh, Universal Man uh, project, and um, and then it has some, I guess, some subgroups that uh, fit under that umbrella. Um, and this is all uh, dealing with sexual addictions, uh, pornography uh, recovery, um, and those types of um, of uh, disordered. 
behaviors, I guess we would call it. And um, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. Sure, sure. So, like, basically, I'm. I started out like I've, I've been a coach for about almost eight years now. Um, and so, when I first started, what I was doing is I, I had just come out of my own addiction to pornography, and mm-hmm. it was also sort of a sexual addiction too. And I wanted to help other people, and I just become a became a coach, and so I wanted the I needed a niche, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I've, I've been studying self development like since I was fourteen. My dad got me a copy of Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, uh-huh. and like I had been pretty functional and productive and good student, that sort of thing up until college when I had pretty much unrestricted internet access to myself, uh, my own computer, that sort of thing. And things started really going downhill for me. And I knew it was because of porn and all the time and energy I was putting into it, but I didn't know how to quit. And then at a certain point, I found these online communities, all these people who are quitting in droves. And I found about all this science and stuff about porn being an addictive sort of thing, the way it affects your brain, the way it holds you back. And as soon as I found the science and I found the community, all the other stuff I had learned was able to finally work and click and I was able to quit. But I saw in the forums and the communities of these recovery sites and stuff that most people weren't able to. And mm-hmm. I saw, I think it was because they lacked the other stuff that I had. And ironically, at the same time, I was looking for a niche for coaching. And mm-hmm. so I was like, all right, I can do this. And <laughs> I was one of the first guys to put his face on porn addiction recovery uh, on YouTube. Like before okay. that, there was pretty much no one doing it. No one talking about no fap reboot, nothing like that. Um, if they were, they were, you know, usually much older guys uh, and they were not in speaking in a way, speaking in a way that I felt was engaging or really keen to the unique peculiarities of porn addiction that are very different from other addictions. And right. so I started doing that kind of stuff and steadily grown. I'm approaching 80,000 subscribers on YouTube now. It's wow. kind of blown up and uh, I've gotten really good at it to the point where it's like, I've got a method, it works. Guys mm-hmm. who come on, they quit porn. And so I started losing guys. You know, I, I work all this time <laughs> to get people to come with me. And it's like, that's kind of what I was doing. And so uh-huh. that's where Universal Man came in. So I shifted away from just doing porn addiction recovery to recovery to really a masculine development as a whole. So now I start talking about productivity, talking about mindset, uh, spirituality, relationships, these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about getting away from dysfunctional escapism and living your life in an engaged, authentic way and providing the tools and techniques that can allow someone to go from point A to point B. And that's, that's what I'm all about. Yeah. So um, I'm, I want to talk about the universal man uh, work that you do because um, that sounds really intriguing, but I want to go back for a minute. And uh, what were some of the things you discovered that were um, uh, maybe missing in other programs or modalities that you might've explored with regard to um, being able to walk away from porn or compulsive sexual behaviors? What, what were some of the things you discovered that, um, that you're able to share with us? Sure. So it, it's really like it has to happen in layers. Like the first layer that needs to be achieved is someone they have to get bought into the process, meaning mm-hmm. like they have to acknowledge both the pros and cons of their behavior, like why they use it, like what benefit they get from it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 
what they stand to gain if they don't. And they have to decide it's worth giving up because it's going to suck doing it. You're going right. to, you're going to go through <laughs> discomfort. So you got to yeah. decide first that's worth it. Yeah. Then you have to get to the point where you're conscious in the moments that you're triggered. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, this, this, they never get to this point because they're just autopilot. As soon as they get a trigger, they're off. Right. Okay. And so to get to the point where you're conscious, you have to really engineer your kind of like habits and behaviors and you got to kind of reflect on, all right, what are my patterns and how can I put speed bumps in the way? And Mm -hmm. one of the things I saw is a lot of guys, they thought things like porn blockers and, you know, I'm not going to use a cell phone or whatever. They would look at those as solutions. They're not solutions. You know, it's like I had one guy, (laughs) he, he literally put the password to like his porn filter on a piece of paper and he put it in a chest and he buried it in his backyard. And he's like, I'll never go get, and they put the shovel in his attic and he said, <laughs> I'll never go get the shovel, dig that up, get the password and, and use porn. Yeah. And like two days later he did that exact thing. Yeah. So I'll, it's like, I, <laughs> I'll never dig my do, my booze out of a dumpster either, but that happens. So. <laughs> right. Right. So like, that kind of stuff's useful because it'll make you stop and think. It'll give you a speed bump where, all right, do I really want to be doing this? And that's where we got to get to. And once you get there, then it's a matter of your self-talk. It's your self-talk, your belief systems, and the way in which you know how to move your mind, heart, and body. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I focus on then is like getting very deep into those responses and the subsequent belief systems that need to support those responses so that you can say, yeah, no, I'm not using porn because it's better for me. And instead I'm going to go do this other thing that addresses whatever real issue I'm dealing with at the moment. Yeah. And so that's a massive simplification of it all, but that's mm-hmm. kind of what I didn't see anywhere else. I didn't see the inner work that worked right. and I didn't see the, the perspective that moved people to a place of consciousness that could be replicated and, you know, systematized. Right. So do you find that, um, the, just the, uh, a lot of guys buy into the accountability system, so to speak, Mm -hmm. do you find that to be, uh, not as effective? Accountability is super effective if it's done right. Mm -hmm. So what doesn't work is just checking in and saying, Hey, I relapsed. Mm -hmm. That doesn't do anything. Right. Usually it just makes you pissed off. makes you feel bad. Um, and at worst, it'll actually bring down other people that you're, if you're an accountability group. Mm-hmm. So it has to be leveraged. Like every slip must be turned into a growth point. The way mm-hmm. I, the way I talk about it is this, it's like, you're like, you're imagine that your recovery process is a process of you building a submarine where you're trying to dive deep into the ocean and, and discover treasure. You're trying to mm-hmm. get some treasure and that treasure is your recovery, your awesome life that you want to have. But the problem is each time you start going deeper, you get further in your process, your sub keeps springing a leak mm-hmm. okay? and you have to return to the surface. Okay. So that's a relapse or whatever, uh, or a slip or some kind of imperfection, or whatever. You have to look at where did it spring a leak? How can we engineer it so that it doesn't happen again? And so if you're not doing that, mm-hmm. then the accountability system doesn't do anything. The accountability system should be accountability to did you look at what happened and did you learn from it? If it's Mm -hmm. not doing that, then, you know, I just don't see good stuff happening. Yeah. And so you sort of developed a program based around those things. How, um, how do you feel about, uh, the, um, the necessity of groups like SA and 12 step recovery as they compare to the kind of work you do typically with a client? So I think that 12-step groups 
they've done a tremendous amount for a huge number of people. Um, and they're also great for someone looking for in-person support, like who mm-hmm. are looking for actual people around them. Connection. Um, I don't, th- yeah. Other than maybe if you you got a church group or something that can give that to you, that's mm-hmm. going to be the only place you're going to get that really. But I do have a problem with the 12 step model to a degree because in a lot of ways it's only as effective as the people running it and mm-hmm. the people in there to give you feedback. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I do seem to fundamentally disagree with the mentality that once an addict, always an addict. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that's true. Like there, there's like, and I think if you identify like that, you're actually putting yourself in a position to be worse off. Now mm. there's a caveat to this. All right. So it's like, I would argue that every person who was an alcoholic could learn how to have a drink in moderation. But the problem is that for some person to reach that point would take such an absurd level of reconditioning and mm-hmm. effort that it wouldn't mm-hmm. be worth it. And so mm-hmm. it'd, be, it'd, be better, it'd actually be better for that person to just say, yeah, I'm done for life. Mm-hmm. But my thought would be, don't claim you're an addict. Don't be an addict for life. Mm-hmm. Be, be, be fine. Move on. Leave the alcohol behind and don't bring that into your identity. It can always be a part of your story. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like tying yourself to that kind of thinking, it's just at that point, you have to then pretty much trade the drug addiction for essentially the 12 step community. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's like, it's better for sure. But what if you just could do what you wanted? (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. I understand what you're saying. I think that, um, you know, where, uh, where substance use disorders come in, uh, which is where I work a lot and my own recovery is with alcohol. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't, know how many spins of the wheel I have left. And so it's better for me to just let's, let's just say that we're not going to participate in that anymore because it just got too, you know, too hard, too bad. And, uh, and, and all of that. And of course in other substances, there's a lot of medical, uh, uh, you know, uh, things that, uh, um, issues that, that necessarily don't show up in sex, addiction although there can be medical consequences in those as well but yeah because it's different it's like all right what are you gonna do you gonna give up sex for forever because mm-hmm. i mean you know everything yeah. like once and, you, if you're hooked on this kind of stuff any kind of sexual interaction will trigger this part of you and so really the only path forward is if you if you want to have freedom and a ha- healthy sex life is doing deep reconditioning work yeah and uh, you know it's worth well, doing. Right. And, and substances don't necessarily have to be a part of our lives the rest of our life, but most of us want to enjoy our sexuality from Absolutely. now on, you know? And so uh, there's got to be a way to incorporate that in a healthy context that, um, you know, an, an opioid addict is, you know, going to risk dying with a needle in their arm or a, the wrong pill or too many right. or whatever. Right. Um, and, um, you know, sexual behaviors, can again have deadly consequences, but it's very different uh, because sexuality is, you know, part of the things we're going to enjoy, hopefully in a healthy way at some point. So does that, does that segue us into something like uh, to talk about universal man and what your program is with that? Tell me, tell me what that all is about. Sure. So the program, the recovery program for porn addiction I have for universal man is uh, it's called reforged man. And the reason I call it that is because what I found is that at the heart of the addiction cycle, especially around 
compulsive pornography use and probably really most addictions in general is that there is a bad relationship between your rational mind and your emotional mind. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this repressive pendulum where your rational mind is kind of a jerk Mm -hmm. to your emotional mind. And so, you know, your emotional mind gets repressed, it gets pushed away. And then your emotional mind just kind of represses your rational mind and then you act out. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, this tug of war over who gets to be in the steering wheel, who gets to hold the steering wheel. And um, the way you got to fix that is you got to get them working together. And the way that, that I see that being would be that your rational mind ends up becoming a good leader and friend to your emotional mind. It truly Mm -hmm. cares about it, truly connects with it, understands it, listens to it, but also know how to lead it, knows how to lead it, knows how to bring it toward, like sort through the emotions that are based in truth and rationality and authenticity and separate it from the irrational kind of crazy stuff that sometimes pops out of us. Mm -hmm. And it's like you rebuild that connection and you go through the process of doing that, then you're going to be able to basically make good decisions for yourself and avoid the bad ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, how do you take people through those steps um, when they come into you and, and is um, universal man um, a spiritual program? Is it a, uh, how, how would you kind of, and maybe you can't categorize it. Um, Well, I'm a spiritual person. um, So that obviously colors everything that I do. Like I'm a, I'm a practicing Catholic. um, Mm -hmm. So that's a huge part of my life, but I speak entirely in secular terms. I don't ask anyone to take anything on faith. I I speak entirely, you know, it's like, Hey, this is, you're welcome to to check this yourself uh, with experience or logic. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's the way I approach it. And the steps would be, it's kind of like what I was was saying before. It's like, all right, we got to do the stuff to get you bought in. We got to get you, uh, your, your habits and environment engineered so that you can become conscious in the moments you're triggered. Mm -hmm. Then we got to start moving. We got to develop your self-talk. And as we start developing your self-talk, we got to start moving into the way that you relate to your own identity, because that's where all your self-talk comes from. Mm -hmm. And then once we get that stuff cleared up, like, especially at the root, it's usually a, um, a status insecurity issue. That is the fundamental thing that I feel like drives all addictions. People don't feel good enough. Mm-hmm. And how do, you, how do you deal with that? I think there's a big repair that needs to happen there for most people. And then it's a matter of really doing the reps, drilling the techniques so that the reconditioning occurs. And you do that and you get clean. <laughs> and then you can start doing cooler stuff with your, your time and energy. Right. And so... Uh, do people come to you on a session by session kind of basis? How do you take people through this process? So most people, they just go through the online course. Um, And so, you know, got thousands of people who've gone through that. Uh, Then if you want extra support, which I highly recommend, you can join my community. So I've got a community on Patreon and what this has, it's got a a private forum. It's got a a chat group um, for guys to talk, give support, give feedback, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I also run weekly calls there where you can come on, you can talk to me. um, And I got Q and A and that sort of thing too, to fill in any sort of gaps that you don't get through the course. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do also do one-on-one coaching uh, for the people who have, you know, the, the means and the, mm-hmm. the interest to, to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's it. I mean, like, and if you want to start for free, like you can check out my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash universal man. And there's a playlist on there. It's called my sexual self mastery series where I cover all the, the, the main pieces of this in a free series. I think there's like 15 or 16 videos. A lot of them are like, you know, 
between 12 minutes and half an hour. Like I don't believe in putting the most important information behind a paywall. It's just kind of pretty much what you're paying for is like the, the, the structured, you know, version of it for yeah. if you were going to buy the course. Um, but if you want to learn what I'm all about, just, just watch some videos and uh, they should help you a ton. I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have um, uh, guys that, that correspond with you later and um, tell you, you know, this is where I'm um, doing really great, but these are the times and the ways and the places that I tend to slip or get stuck or, mm -hmm. you know, I hit a wall here and I can't seem to get beyond this particular aspect of, of the behavior. Um, and then are you able to kind of step in at that point and give them, um, some valuable input, um, uh, at that point, or do they need to go into the uh, kind of the next level sort of thing? Well, you know, I hope I can give them valuable input, but usually like, you know, I'll get guys where they'll complete a reboot, which in typical porn addiction recovery terms, that means you go 90 days without porn masturbation. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're doing a, what's called a hard mode reboot, then it's complete abstinence for mm -hmm. 90 days at least. Mm -hmm. And for most people that, that, that's a pretty intense shift. The brain really starts healing. Most of the major cravings and triggers are going to be massively reduced. You're going to be in a good place at that point, not mm -hmm. fully out of the woods necessarily, but it's a big milestone at that point. If you usually, if you relapse after that point, it's because you chose to now guys do choose to, and part of the reason why is one, because they haven't cleared up the status and security and they usually suffered some kind of big hit, hit like they got rejected by a girl or they lost a job or something like mm -hmm. that. They felt so bad. They thought they were bad. So they stopped caring for themselves. Right. And, you know, they sought the escape of porn, which lets you pretend like you're this wonderful stud who's totally living it up and being awesome. Right. So that would be, you know, they'd have to clear up the status securities kind of thing. Um, the other big issue I see if someone relapses after a while is that they just didn't start playing a bigger game. Like some people recovery is like their thing and they've been mm -hmm. in it for years and it's what they focus their time on. It's like their productive project. And mm -hmm. if you start getting clean, all of a sudden there's a void. And mm -hmm. if you don't fill that void, if you don't actually start setting bigger goals for yourself and doing more stuff, then, um, you know, you're just going to fall back into the same old patterns. So that's really what, that's actually my tagline for Universal Man is play a bigger game. Cause it's like, you need to constantly be moving to bigger and better things as your willpower budget frees up. And if you're mm -hmm. doing recovery properly, then eventually it's not going to be as hard for you to be clean. And so you will have more willpower. And at that point, then you start maybe, you know, pushing yourself a little bit more on the other self-development areas. Yeah. Well, one of the things I noticed uh, in your universal man um, uh, kind of uh, synopsis, it, I, um, you, it, you deal with several things, um, not just addiction. It sounded like, um, mm -hmm. what were some of the other things that universal man addresses? So one of the big things I just, I just did a, a 10 series thing on was productivity um, because this is a big one it kind of goes hand in hand with porn addiction for a lot of guys. Cause that's, they basically practice like procrastination <laughs> where, <laughs> where like, I go, like, man, I got to remember that word. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll give you credit always, but that is an awesome word. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's what it sounds like. It's like guys procrastinating by masturbating mm -hmm. and it's, 
rampant because you got stuff you know you should be doing. You got these goals. You got these priorities. But ah, that's hard. Ah, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather just watch some porn and, and do that kind of thing. And then before you know it, the day is gone. You've kind of blown your energy. You're disappointed and, you know, you're stuck in the same old rut. So, like, learning how to do productive things is really big for guys. Um, Mm -hmm. Learning how to get that dopamine, that serotonin, all those feel-good neurochemicals from authentic things, actual accomplishment, actual good stuff is massive. So I did a series about that. And, um, you know, now I'm going to be moving into things about – particularly looking at big level mindset stuff, like how to actually like, like what is people talk about positive thinking and mindset all the time, but like I haven't seen anyone do a breakdown of the mechanics of how that actually works to get what you want in a way that I was impressed with. And so, you know, if I don't see it out there, then I better, I better not complain about it and just do something about it. So that's, that's where I'm going to be heading next too. So, um, I have all kinds of stuff I want to do. I want to get into uh, confidence. I want to get into relationships. I want to do all of it, but it's just a matter of, I'm, I'm very, uh, what do we call it? Obsessive is a nice word, um, but <laughs> that's, that's what I do is I, 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 get, I get hooked into something and I want to do it complete justice before I move on to the next thing. So right, the next thing is going to be mindset, uh, yeah. more or less. Yeah. And there was something you said, um, I think, or I read, uh, reclaiming masculinity, what, what, was that, am I saying that right? Is that what it? Reclaiming masculinity? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I do think that masculinity, like my premise is that the modern world offers ma- the modern man almost unlimited potential and modern woman too. I mean, like just modern technology in general, you live in the mm-hmm. Western world, like you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. if you can just get yourself to take the action. Mm-hmm. Problem is that our vices have outstripped the pace of our personal development. Mm -hmm. So because of that, like we are caught in distraction and vice in escapism and addiction instead of utilizing all the massive potential that is in front of us. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the purpose of what I'm trying to do here is help evolve masculinity in the sense of evolve the way in which men relate to themselves so that they can take advantage of all that potential and break free from all of that vice. So like that's, that's the evolution here is like the same old strategies that worked for your grandpa to, to do good are not mm-hmm. going to work for you because you have the cell phone in your pocket right. and it's a gateway into unlimited distraction. And mm-hmm. so if you don't have the willpower to handle an ever present distraction, it's not like, it's not like you, know, you can just get all the alcohol out of your house. It's Mm -hmm. like, unless you're going to go live in the woods, technology is there and you got to figure out how to deal with that technology. So that means that there's a fundamental leap in self-control that needs to occur in humanity if we're going to really thrive in this age rather than devolve in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you, um, with um, sexual addiction, we're seeing more and more women uh, coming forward and um, trying to address the problem themselves as well. We, so we know it's not just an exclusively male um, disorder anymore. Um, not that it ever probably was, but women um, have uh, different stigmas. I think that uh, follow them into it than maybe even men do. I don't know, but it seems that society might do it that way. Might, might um, 
peg women in a different way in that way. Um, have you thought about um, creating something uh, that was accessible to women or is that pretty much this your niche uh, with men and that's where you're, where you're comfortable staying, which, and that's, and this is not a critique by the way at all. I just, sure. I, I just a curiosity. Well, so when you're starting out and you're trying to make a living doing this stuff, like you need a niche, you need to have a clearly defined audience so that they'll listen to you. Right. As you get more of a following and more authority, that gives you the opportunity to branch out without your profitability basically, you know, mm -hmm. taking a hit. And mm -hmm. so my hope would be to get to a point where uh, I'm able to extract the core systems and philosophies that I have uh, developed so far and make them just truly universal to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, yeah, the, the focus is on men because you talk to them a different way than you, you would talk to, to women. And while yes, women are becoming more, um, you know, either visible or maybe even just dealing with more sexual addiction in general. I do think that like the main thing women deal with, it's like, like if we're going to say two sides of the coin for the, the male side is porn addiction. The female side is eating disorders. Mm -hmm. I think eating disorders are the, the female counterpart to porn addiction because like it's the same status and security resolved through some kind of dysfunctional sexual status, really. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like for guys, they get to escape feeling not good enough by going into porn. Um, mm -hmm. Women, they do it by trying to manipulate their bodies. Mm -hmm. uh, so, of course, you have men who have eating disorders and you have women who are, you know, porn and sex addicts, but so it's like, that's, that's kind of the paradigm I see. And I've actually had a sadly large amount of experience with eating disorders in my life too. So I could see myself potentially doing something about that uh, or talking about that some, mm -hmm. some manner at some point too. Yeah. Uh, somewhere down the road, but yeah. yeah. What are some of the things or do you see a certain amount of things that are uh, guys tend to have in common? Like, are there, um, uh, that are, they're struggling in all these behaviors, whether it's just porn or completely acting out, um, physically with another person. Um, what are, what are some of the common, um, backgrounds or, uh, the, the ways the stage gets set to set a guy up for, um, uh, waking up one day and realizing that he's using sex in a really unhealthy way? Sure. Um, it's all the same. It's every, every addiction I would argue is the exact same problem, which mm -hmm. is the problem of identifying your worth as a person with your status. Mm -hmm. I would say every single addiction stems from that. It's mm -hmm. basically like, you know, we all care about status. Our brain is a giant status seeking mechanism. Anytime we even engage the idea of something being better or worse, our status machinery kicks in and mm -hmm. our brain is designed to move toward the things we define as good and away from the things we define as bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. Problem is, is if you think you are your status, meaning that you have no inherent value as yourself, well, mm -hmm. then anytime you feel low status, then you think you're bad. And if you think you're bad, you're going to treat yourself as bad and your brain is going to try to avoid the experience of being you. Mm -hmm. And so that's where addictive escape comes from is that you get to stop feeling you. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to solve that problem, then you have to connect people to their dignity. You have to connect them to their inherent, invincible, inalienable human worth. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that is tricky about this is that status still matters 
even if you recognize your dignity mm-hmm. because like, like you want, but the thing is it's a different kind of mechanism. So it's like, you can do the same thing from two different ways. You can go to the gym from this place of like, I'm not good enough where it's like, Oh, you better go there and earn your, your physical status points. You better get that body or you suck. Mm-hmm. Or you can motivate yourself from the place of saying, Hey, you're good. You're inherently totally fine. Nothing you could do could make you any better or any worse. Mm-hmm. But since you are good, we want to reflect that in your physical appearance, in your physical health, in your strength, mm-hmm. in your presence. Mm-hmm. And so it's like learning how to get people out of that sort of black hole energy and start shining like a bright light. And if you can do that, then that solves the whole thing. And so everybody, the commonality is that everybody's got that black hole um, that's an addict. And the key is figuring out, okay, how do we got to fill that? What does that mm-hmm. look like? Mm-hmm. And, and, and they can have... Uh, lost that identity in a number of ways, trauma, shame, abuse, um, whatever those. Anything that that communicates the idea that you're not inherently valuable sends Mm -hmm. you the message that that's the case. And when you're a kid, you have no defense against that. So we all go through life either from our parents showing us conditional love or our peers or whatever. They're just filling you full of holes. And Mm -hmm. you just, that's just what happens because you're a kid, you don't have any choice. And so really the recovery process as an adult is learning how to fill those holes with your own love. And when mm-hmm. you can consistently give yourself the love that you crave, then that's the point where you're going to be start getting free. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to parents of uh, both young men and women um, that might help um, give these kids um, uh, you know, a chance <laughs> at, at waking up one day and um, maybe this being less of a likelihood in their lives. Um, so don't give your kids unrestricted internet access. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. Like would you mm-hmm. give your kids a loaded gun? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. of course not. But we give them unrestricted access to like one of the craziest portals that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. You know how much stuff is out there? Like, like <laughs> they don't, there's insane stuff online that you can get to in literally like th- three keystrokes. Okay. Yeah, sure. So it's like, <laughs> like, come on. So yeah. don't do that. One. Um, I think that every parent should have like some kind of filter and then also something that, that says what websites are being go- gone to. Now, like I don't think it should just be a lockdown. It should be a conversation. You know, there has to be more conversation than there was. Like I didn't get any sexual, you know, teaching or advice or understanding from my parents mm-hmm. and just didn't talk to us about it because their parents didn't talk to them about it. And it just mm-hmm. wasn't something that parents talk to their kids about. Mm-hmm. That can't be the case anymore because if you don't talk to your kids, then society is going to talk to them and society is right. going to say it's good and it's liberating for you to, to use your sexuality in this way, which, very likely will lead to compulsive dysfunctional behavior. And Mm -hmm. so it's like the more educated you are and the more you can pass that on to your kids, the better. And then you just, you know, in some ways you got to let the chips fall where they may. Um, But like, I think if we, if we just teach the consequences of it, like one of the things that's so crazy to me is that um, there's still people out there who are denying the science around the fact that porn can be addictive and destructive and like there's been so many peer reviewed papers and stuff like this proving this very point. And mm-hmm. so it's like, we, we gotta, we gotta clear up what the reality is on the societal level. And then we got to just have an education model. Like if I was a kid and I was told 
like what this stuff could do to me, like what it would mm-hmm. do to my brain, what it could do to my sexual functioning, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have touched it, mm-hmm. but no one, I had no guidance, right? So mm-hmm. that's what we need. We just need to educate. Like kids aren't going to, like there's always going to be some kids that do drugs, even if they go, even if they watch, you know, they get drug education. Sure. Right. But like a lot less do it because of it. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, it's kind of like where we're at with porn is where we were at with cigarettes like back in like the the 40s and 50s and, and whatnot mm-hmm. before, like where you got the advertising agencies like having doctors say, oh yeah, smoking cigarettes is great. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like we're getting the same thing with porn, right? Like it's sure, people still smoke today, but it's way less. And I think that we should do the same sort of thing around this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, tell us again how people can reach you and um, and uh, and access your uh, your free videos, and then maybe want to take it up to where there's really a lot more interaction, a lot more connection, access to even more uh, resources that you have. Tell us again um, those places. Sure. So if you just if you want to just get started, go to uh, YouTube.com/slash/UniversalMan. Uh, you mm-hmm. can start with my free series. If you're interested in the porn recovery stuff, watch my sexual self mastery series. It's a playlist on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in there, uh, each of those videos will promote this guide that I've created called the reboot regimen, which is actually a pretty robust guide. That's free that you get. If you just get on my, my newsletter and just take it from there. And from there, like my, you know, you'll get some emails from me and stuff and we'll try and get you to, to join my, my group and maybe check out my course and whatnot. And you don't need to do that if you don't want to, but, um, you know, that's, that's where I would get started. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much for being with us today. Tell us about what you're doing. We're always um, excited about uh, new um, ways that people can access uh, recovery because uh, we don't believe that there's a one size fits all necessary way that this happens for everybody. And so we love to introduce as many opportunities and modalities uh, out there for you know everything from compulsive sexual behaviors to substances, alcohol, whatever is going on, food, whatever the uh, the thing is. So, um, just I really appreciate you being with us and representing another uh, great facet of um, your experience and expertise. So, oh. well, thank you for having me uh, on here. Hopefully, you know I gave someone a little something that was useful and. Uh, yeah, just yeah, I'm it. I'm sure you did, and I'm sure that um, accessing the videos is going to be a great help for a lot of people. So, um, uh, listeners, uh, hang in right there. We're going to be right back in just a minute on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. I hope that you. Uh, enjoyed the interview that we did here with Mark Quepet. Um, Mark is really, um, Mark is a thinker and um, he's very entrepreneurial, but he is also very uh, passionate about helping people get uh, from A to B in uh, in their recovery and and getting out of the stuck places in their lives. And uh, one of the things that I liked about what Mark is doing and, and one of the reasons we really wanted him to have uh, a few minutes with us on the show is that um, he is making things very accessible through technology. Um, you know, he does have a tiered sort of system uh, there where you can... Um, buy into more um, community and 
support, but he's making some really good information available uh, on YouTube and on uh, uh, his channel and and with his videos. And so I think that's a really important thing because so many times I talk to people and therapy seems cost prohibitive. Um, meetings um, for different people are not always as accessible and you may live in a remote part of the country or the world and you're not able to have the kind of community with people that you'd like. But his information is out there and his... Uh, his uh, his modality is very spot on about um, helping people uh, get out from behind this this uh, shame and uh, this shame identity that uh, is keeping us stuck. And uh, so he has some great things to say in those 15, 16 uh, videos that he has, and we wanted him to have the opportunity to to bring that to you. And that's that's what we want to do here. We really want to bring different ways of approaching recovery to the forefront. Um, we're not a one-size-fits-all uh, mindset here at the podcast, and um, Nate and I talk about that a lot. So I hope you enjoyed Mark's time, and take a, a few minutes if this is something that you're struggling with, and um, look into it. And we'd love to hear from you as well. Um, PositiveSobriety.com, at, at gmail.com, excuse me. And um, we would love to hear from you, and we would love to hear how you're impacted by the guests that we do have, and um, not just today's. And so, uh, folks, I appreciate you joining us today. Nate will be back with us next week, as well as a lineup of some really interesting guests that we've got coming in for the whole uh, spring season. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to be here with you every week. I appreciate your support and your encouragement and your messages, and uh, we will look forward to being with you again next time on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 